The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the program. Afternoons with Mike, heard daily here on the Shepherd Radio Network. I have on the line with me Jason Klein. He's from up in Nashville. We're talking today over the line. And Jason, just a little bit about him. He spent his entire career helping people. That's a nice thing to start with. He's worked in education and in church ministry, but mostly as a nonprofit professional on the local, state, and national level. He is a financial coach for several years, and he's an author of a book I'm holding right now called Financial 180. I love this uh, subtitle, Give Generously, Save Consistently, Live Wisely. Three outstanding phrases, all of which great wisdom and advice for us. Welcome to my program, Jason. Thank you, Mike. It's good to be here. Thanks for having me, buddy. Well, this is awesome, and you're right up in a part of the country that I just absolutely love, Nashville, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. I love Tennessee. Lived here all my life. I live about 30 minutes north in a town called Hendersonville. Oh, yes. Uh, just just enjoy it. Yeah, I love it. It's uh, close to Nashville. We're not right in it, but we can be there in about 20 minutes. You well, know, it depends on traffic. It may be 20 minutes. It may be an hour. So. You know, I've recorded there in Hendersonville a couple of times. Uh, yeah. Back in the day, we uh, recorded at the Oak Ridge Boys Studio in Hendersonville. Yes, mm-hmm. And I know they're, mm-hmm. uh, they kind of hail from that area, and that's where their studio is. I, I yeah, assume it's still guys. there. I met, met a couple of them. So, yeah. Yeah, I know, yeah, I know him, and I know uh, one of them, uh, Dwayne Allen, his granddaughter, the, the lead singer, his granddaughter and my daughter are big buddies. Oh, that's so awesome. Spend the night and help me, so we know their family, but they're great guys, and, and I just, I've, I've been fans of them since I was a kid. Yeah, so. as have I. And, you know, the very first interview I ever did when I was beginning my radio career was with Dwayne Allen. I can't believe it, mm-hmm. man. And he was so patient and kind. And he, here's this little, you know, college kid with uh, a little wet behind the ears, so to speak. And I, I just couldn't believe, yeah. man, I just couldn't believe it. And I was getting mm-hmm. to interview a guy that I just love so much. And then Joe Bonzo became a friend, and we played tennis yeah. together when they would come to town. So that was that was cool back in those days. But that was a lot of fun. I can remember when I first got to Hendersonville in 98, and I was at First Baptist Church, and I was helping with the offering. And I'm from a little small town called Westmoreland. It's right on the Tennessee-Kentucky line, about uh, about 2,000 people, 2,500 people. And so I come to this big First Baptist. They got more people there on Sunday than I had in my whole hometown. And I'm doing the offering, and there's William Lee Golden right there. And I just was starstruck. <laughs> one of the Oak Ridge boys, I was passing the offering plate, one of the Oak Ridge boys. Oh, you know? that is crazy, <laughs> yeah. Well, he looks a lot different now than he probably did during that time frame. Yeah, yeah, we all do. We all got a little. <laughs> well, I was thinking more of that incredible hair that he has. All oh, of us yeah, are the, and the hair yeah, and the beard. Yeah. yeah, we're we're all just. Uh, yeah, that's, he's, it's it's hard to hide him with that big old beard. Yeah, yeah, he he kind of sticks out in a crowd, all right. But they're they're yeah, just does. so much fun. All of them are, and um, I've um, I've really enjoyed them. Got to interview them. Even when I was in television, they came over one day. Mm-hmm. 
and I got to do a sit down with him on television. That was a blast. Mm -hmm. So it's it's so much fun. Well, Jason, let's talk about you for a moment. We know now your background, you're involved, you've been in ministry. How did you come to know the Mm -hmm. Lord? When I was eight years old, um, I just knew that I'd been in church all my life, growing up my parents, the whole thing, they drug us to church, you know, and so just uh, as an eight-year-old gave my life to Christ, knew that I, I couldn't do it on my own. I needed Him, uh, and, uh, and and surrendered my life to Him. And at the at the eight, got baptized soon after, uh, just in the next couple of months. Grew up in a real small church, a little uh, Baptist church uh, in in Tennessee. And so, uh, but at the age of fifteen, I really believed that God, I knew God had called me to the ministry. I didn't know what that looked like. Uh, I went to FCA camps that summer, and, and just really God just made it clear. And so, preached my first sermon at age 15, and I'm, I'm almost—I'll be 47 next week. Oh. So, really been cool to see you know how God has worked, and just give all the credit to Him, man. Uh, as a, you know, I need Him as a husband, as a father, as a man. Uh, but yeah, God is uh, God is good. Preached your first message at age 15. That's awesome. Yes, sir. That is yeah, great. I don't think I looked. I looked up two times. I remember I looked up and saw <laughs> that they were. They had another church had, had in Westmoreland had called off service and joined us. And the room was packed. There were chairs in the aisles. They were standing in the back. I looked up and got scared to death and looked back down. And I think I looked up one other time uh, during that. I was I was I was a nervous wreck. I felt like I probably didn't preach ten minutes, but it felt like forty five. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I I get it. You look up and you think, oh my gosh, that felt like an eternity and all of that. Uh-huh. But boy, it's it's really great to have that kind of heritage and over 30 years now of, of preaching uh, as you, you have done. And you, yeah. this uh, book that I'm holding, is this your first book? Yes, sir. Yeah. If you would have told me a year ago that I would have written a book, I'd have said you're crazy. Uh, but I just never had a desire to do. I, I married a librarian. She reads more in one night than I do in six months. Oh, my goodness. But just, uh, you know, I started doing the financial coaching several years ago and developed a process and and, and some things I could show people and help people. And I had buddies that says, you need to write a book on that. And I was like, there's no way. And so really about this time last year, I think the first of June is when I made the call and with a place up in Cincinnati, Christian Editing and Design, who referral with a friend. And we started the process in June, and it came out in December. So something that I never thought I would do, but I'm so thankful. If I could, I wanted to, I wanted to have something to people that I would never meet or be able to see that I could put it in their hands, and it would help them simplify their finances. So you self-published this book, right? Well, well now they, the, the Christian Editing and Design published it. They're a great company out I of see. Cincinnati, and they do everything but print. And so then when it came to the printing part, then we had to figure out through, you know, it's through Amazon and then bookstores go through Ingram Spark. But yeah, Christian Editing and Design did all the stuff, the coaching to help me write it. You know, it's out, they would talk me through it. We had the editing part, uh, the, the design, all that kind of thing. And so that's who I did all that through. Oh, that's wonderful. It looks like a great uh, layout on your book. Very easy to understand. And you put uh, the goals out there right on the back cover uh, of, of what the book will show you how to do. And some of those bullet points, since I'm holding this and our listeners can't see it, uh, it says this, learn exactly where your money goes, set up a practical budget, pay off debt and student loans, save for emergencies and other things you desire in life, give financially to charities, 
and achieve freedom and peace of mind. Now, that last one, uh, I think a lot of people really in this culture do not know freedom, and they don't know financial mm-hmm. peace because they're so burdened under in debt, and they're cre- mm-hmm. they, heavy credit card debt. That's one of the biggest prisons, isn't it, that people can get themselves yes. locked up in. And I was there several years ago. That was me. That was me growing up, my family. Uh, just didn't know anything but debt. Yeah. And so I had no idea. What, what, but once I, once I discovered financial freedom, and, and you know, I, I never looked back. But it just, I, I really, God helped me to, you know, to put people in my life that helped me. And getting married 20 years ago helped that I knew I, I had to make some changes. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so that's, that's, you're right. Financial freedom, meaning, you know, having peace. There's nothing like having peace and freedom. You know? Oh, my goodness. I agree completely. It's wonderful not to have a recurring debt, not to have that credit right. card bill with about 20% interest or whatever mm-hmm. uh, staring at right. you and, and never being able to pay it off by paying the minimum payment. That just doesn't right. happen. Well, and just being able to give, to, uh, to give. You know, when you don't have debt, there's so many things that you can do with your money. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you can you can give to others. You can save for things. You can go on vacation. You can, you know, be able to buy a Christmas present and, and without having to go into debt. You know, it's just, uh, but yes, once I learned and got out of debt, I've never looked back. That's really great. Now, you're a financial coach. And, you know, when I think mm-hmm. of coach, I think uh, historically, I think most of us would know exactly what a coach is. It's someone on the mm-hmm. sidelines of a basketball arena or a football field or on a baseball diamond. But uh, in the later years, in more recent times, we've heard terms like life coach and marriage mm-hmm. coach and financial coach. So exactly what do you focus on when you're trying to help people as a financial coach? Well, and it's funny you mentioned about the kind of coaches, because that's my first job out of college is I was a math teacher and a football coach for several uh-huh. years. And so here in Hendersonville, a lot of the kids I used to teach, they still call me Coach Klein. It's kind of, uh, I get called that more than Jason around in this community. But uh, so, you know, financial coach is different. A lot of people are familiar with a financial advisor, financial planner. Mm-hmm. They help with investments and things like that. But I, I, that's not my desire. I've had opportunities to do that. I don't really help people with stocks, bonds, mutual funds. Now, we'll help them to free up money so that they can go talk to somebody about those things. But those guys are in that world every day, and I I don't understand a lot of changes. But my job as a financial coach is I kind of help on the other end. Is I meet with people or speak to groups, and um, I'll talk about simplifying finances, helping people, uh, you know, with, with where they are, helping them get to the next point, answer questions, help them. To get a simple plan, something that, that is easy for them to understand and that they can continue doing it. A lot of people get a plan, but it's really they don't really understand it or it doesn't work. And so I will not only help them get the plan, but I'll, I'll walk with them through it, and I'll teach them what to do on payday, uh, what to do till the next payday. So I just kind of walk them through it and help them get to that point to where one day they can invest money mm-hmm. uh, in other things. But, yeah, so that's, that's kind of what a financial coach does. You know, I think that most people, they don't plan financially. They don't, they don't realize that what little bit, if they were to save just a little bit from their paycheck every week mm-hmm. and invest it in something like a 401k or, or some sort of Roth IRA, that it would really add up. I mean, a lot of people, they just don't have the vision. I don't think they're really all the time trained to believe that it makes a difference. But boy, over a lifetime, saving just a little bit really, really makes a big difference at retirement, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. And the earlier you start, the better. I I know people that 
you know, that their company will match so much in their retirement, and they just have never done it. So they're, they're uh. not taking advantage of the free money that they get by just – you know, given to their company's retirement plan. Yeah, so, right. Yeah, you're right. I think it's we just go through world. We think about it, but we just don't take the time to really do it. And next thing you know, it's ten years later, and you haven't made any changes. Well, even if that's true with our listeners listening today, maybe they're ten years late. It's better to start right now, though, because yes. before yes. another ten right. years click by, right? Yes, sir. You're exactly right. Uh, it's never too late to start, and I I am uh, quite amazed at uh, what my wife and I were able to do a number of years ago. We started a financial uh, plan that was uh, just quite frankly, I was late getting uh, into this whole big world of it, but we started it and I can't believe what just uh, even in those years since we did, what we've been able to save away and so thankful and so grateful that we did catch on. And so it's not too late. If you're listening and you've been like what uh, I did, you waited around maybe longer than you should have, jump in today. Don't just keep putting it off. And that mm-hmm. that will be a good thing for you. Now, the title of your book is Financial 180. Now, already I hear the word, the term 180. I think most of us know mm-hmm. the context of what's that. But what, what uh, do you look at that? as meaning in this context? Yeah, well, when I got thinking about, it really, it honestly, first thing coming spiritually, you know, when I when I used to, I, I worked for many years for FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Oh, I love that group. I would go to, I do too. I, I was in it in high school and college, changed my life. And I was on staff for 13 years with them. And, uh, you know, I would speak a lot to kids and coaches and at schools and teams. And I thought a lot about how that, no, spiritually, what we do is when we choose to follow Christ, that we do a 180. We, we're going one direction, and we realize we're not heading in the right direction, so we need to turn around and go the other way. And so as I thought about that, as I was working with the financial stuff, is I thought, you know, there's a lot of areas in our life that we need to do a 180. We, we realize we're not heading in the right direction. Things are not good. And I've got to turn around and go the other way. And, it, you know, some days, you, you, you know, it's, it's not something you do overnight. It's a, it's a, a long process sometimes, but you do it a step at a time. You may go five degrees, 10 degrees, whatever, but the goal is to eventually turn around and go the other way. And so I thought that's kind of what I've done with this book is that's what I wanted people to do is, okay, I've got some things I need to change. I need to turn and go the other way Mm -hmm. and do it different. And so that's where that came from. Now, you know, when people come to the Lord and there's that uh, you were going one direction and now you're going something completely different, that that is exactly what the Scripture would teach us about becoming a new creature. The old has Mm -hmm. passed away. All things have become new. So when you're talking about this type of thing, that means, like you said, a new direction, literally turning around and going the other way. What do you think most people are are doing wrongly up front when they are confronted with this truth that you're bringing them as a coach and or they read your book or they get awakened themselves and they go, I'm not doing what I should be doing. What is the number one thing that most of them are doing wrong? Well, a lot of people just don't have a plan at all. It's kind of going through life and, and they are not, they don't know where their money's going. They don't have a clue. And, and so they don't know that. And so but others, I think a big thing is, is, is the debt, is, is that, you know, I want something and I want it now. Uh, I need a new vehicle. I'm going to go out and buy it. And, it, you know, now that he's what, they'll, they'll finance that thing for, what, eight, nine years. I don't know. But wow. uh, it's just in our, in our world today, we're, we're used to not having to wait for things. And so we can go buy it 
uh, and put it on payments. And I've just seen that just really hurt people uh, by just getting – and I used to be the same way. I mean, I used to trade trucks all the time. One time – this is back before my financial 180 – I traded trucks one time, twice in one week. What? Isn't it crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did because I, I, that's how growing up. My mom and dad were great people. They did the best they could, but they had never been taught financially. And they would trade trucks all the time. We moved houses a lot, uh, oh, rent wow. houses, buying houses. We, I think, when I was eight years old, we moved into the eleventh house that we had lived in. Uh, oh, but my wow. parents just didn't know. And so that's, that's, that's where they're, and I, I started that same process. And so I just, I would see something I wanted. I didn't care how much it was. I'd, I'd put it on payment. I'd use a credit card, whatever it was. And then I just spent a lot more money for that item than what it really cost. Yeah. And I don't think people take that into consideration when they take all of the debt, all the interest uh, that is accruing and it, it's very on a credit card. My goodness, that thing, it, it's just, it, it multiplies, the debt multiplies mm-hmm. because it's all on the unpaid balance. And so mm-hmm. you're, you're paying functionally next month on not only this month's principal, but this month's interest. And so mm-hmm. it, it really does snowball on you uh, to use what uh, Dave Ramsey often talks about, a term he uses, the snowball of debt. I mean, it really, it just yeah. takes you down the hill and before you know it, this thing is rolled into a giant snowball of debt that is uh, like a mountain to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And it's really, really well, hard. I think a lot of people think that they've gone too far and they can't turn around. But that's just – that's not the case. It's never too late to turn around. It's never too late to start. I mean I, I wasted my 20s. Uh, if I would have known in my 20s what I know in my late 40s, so tell them where I'd have been. But I'm thankful that I did turn around and start. And I've helped people anywhere from 18 to 70. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is no matter where you are, figure out where I'm at, where I want to go and, you know, start that process of that 180. Um, as you said earlier, it's never too late. So. It's never too late. My guest today is Jason Klein from Tennessee, and he is the author of the book Financial 180. And we're going to be back with him in a moment. We have a lot more to cover with this man of God that loves to help people and their finances. So stay tuned. This is Afternoons with Mike, and you're on The Shepherd. On the line with me right now is Jason Klein. And Jason is from up in the uh, Nashville area. If you know where Hendersonville, that's kind of the area where he lives. And it's a beautiful area. It's all part of that Music City scene and Boy, there's so many things to do. And, you know, every time I go through Nashville, I'm always wanting to stop by and go listen to some live music. I love country music. I don't think you can live in that part of the country and not like it, right? I mean, that's <laughs> right. Yes, sir. Yeah, that's I a prerequisite yeah. for your taxes, right? I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, sir. Mm-hmm. you got to do that. But it's so much fun to go up there on Music Row and to see everything. We've toured the Ryman, and that's a blast. And so anytime you can go to Nashville, that's going to be a fun time if you like music, if you like country music especially. Mm-hmm. Jason, why are you so passionate about wanting to help people? Where do you think that came from? What motivated that? Well, I think it was shared earlier about, you know, how bad I used to be when I was drowning financially. And to come out of that on the other side and see what the other side's like, I thought, man, because I'm in this world, Mike, to help people. that's, That's what God has put me here to do, whether it's helping them spiritually or financially or whatever it may be. Um, and and so I just love to see people get from where they are to where they want to be. 
And I feel like one thing that God has always, no matter what I've done, has allowed me to do is to simplify things. And that's one thing is that I have gotten better mm. at the finances and the budget, being able to have a plan. And as I have learned more, I just really enjoy helping people get to where they want to be, you know, and improve their life. And so that's just one area that God has made me passionate about, helped me understand. And so I want to use that knowledge that he's given me to, to help others. Now, you mentioned this thing about making it easier to understand and, and breaking that down. That's like what a mathematician would do when you take right. uh, the abstract and make it more concrete and kind of bring it down to where uh, it is practical and you can understand mm-hmm. it. And even the most difficult of formulas, when I was in physics in college, I found that if you could break down even a difficult formula that by and large, first glance at that thing, it was confusing and overwhelming and very intimidating. But if you can break it down to where you can understand it, then it mm-hmm. becomes then a, a, a tool that you can actually use and see success with. Is that what you're talking about? Yes, sir. You know, I majored in math in college. And, and like I said, I'm, I told you earlier, my first job was a math teacher and a football coach. And, oh, you know, yeah. one of the things that I knew, I was never the 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 people wouldn't have put me on top of the list as the smartest math teacher. I mean, there were people that were doing calculus and all these things. And I taught algebra a lot. And then so, but I think one thing that people always told me and everything I've done said, Jason, you can make things simple. You can make it easy to understand that no matter where somebody is, they can understand it and be able to apply it. And I just, I've always taken that as a compliment of being able to make things simple. Cause I think sometimes, you know, the material, there are people that know how to do a budget but they can't really teach it to somebody mm-hmm. and you got to have the heart of a teacher. You got to be able to break it down and work with people and be patient with them and get on their level and say, look, I'm here for you. I'll walk with you through this process. When you're talking to somebody that does not have a budget and maybe they don't even understand the concept of a budget, but when you are talking with these people, what are the first steps you take to help them understand this in a simpler way? Well, you know, it's a, it's a great question, Mike, because I have learned since, since my, my book came out in December, I have learned more in the last six months than I have in the years I've been doing this. So I've been helping people for years, officially three or four, that I, where I really got kind of started my, my you know, little side business that I mm-hmm. did. But um, I, I, I was so wrong for a lot of years because I would try to get them into a budget very quickly into a spreadsheet because I wanted the people not to think, well, how many times am I going to meet with Jason and have to pay him to help? And we, we hadn't even got a budget together yet. But I, what I would see is that I would help people get a budget and then they just, they didn't last. Like they, I didn't hear back from them or, or they just, and, 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 or they didn't call back or whatever. And what, I, what I have learned is that that's not the starting point, getting a budget. Uh, what I have to do is help people find their why. You know, I think about what's the what's the two things that people need to do a financial 180. What's a, what's something they need? But again, I used to would say budget, but I that and, and that's true. But it's not the starting point. People need some hope. Mm. I try to really tell people, you know, give them some hope. Be be nice. Be understanding. I tell them, look, you may be in bad shape, but but that's okay. You're not a bad person. I'm not gonna make you feel bad or intimidate you and think whatever you you've made mistakes. So have I. So if I can give them some hope to say, you know what, I can get through this. I'm drowning, but I've got a way now here with Jason that, that I can get to that other side. I can, I can survive. 
But also, the, here's the key, Mike, I've learned, is they have to find their why. They have to find what's the reason why that they're going to keep doing this. Why do they want to change their life when they're going to get frustrated and discouraged and ready to quit? And I guarantee you that's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And so for so many times, I didn't ask these people, what's your why? Why are you doing this? What, what's that one reason that's going to keep you doing it? And so therefore, because I didn't have them identify that, once they got frustrated and they didn't, they, you know, it's like anything in their life. You know, I, I get frustrated because I need to eat better. I need to lose some weight, you know, but yet I have, you know, I, I've got to find my why. What's the why I want to do it? Mm -hmm. But if people don't find that, it don't matter how easy the budget is, they're not going to keep doing it. So, yeah, some hope. They have to have some hope and they have to find their why. Yeah. So along with that, it seems like one of the things that would play into this is just bad habits, right? I mean, people mm -hmm. who haven't found their why are are out there just doing what they're doing every day. I remember a friend once told me this definition, the definition of insanity, and I think most people know what it is. It's doing <laughs> the same thing over and over and over and somehow yet right. expecting a different result. And mm -hmm. that's not going to happen. And finding your why is what it takes to uh, kind of change the direction of how you're going. And, and it stops you from doing the same old, same old every day. Mm, yeah, it is. It's, I, I've, it's been discouraging sometimes to meet people and see where they are. But at the same time, it's been so encouraging when continue to work with them, talk with them, and see them get to that other side and start achieving some results, paying off debt, having some money in their emergency fund, being able to give. Oh, man. I mean, it, it fires me up just to be able to help people and, and, and to see them catch it. And not only they catch it, but then they start sharing it with others as well, which is what we're supposed to do. Yeah, that's right. And, and you know, you're one of those people that you can see the light come to their eyes and the hope mm -hmm. that fills their, their minds and their heart. And that really is a wonderful thing, isn't it? Yes, sir. Yes, sir, it is. I remember Peter Lord, he was a pastor down here uh, in uh, Florida, Central Florida, over in the Melbourne area, I believe, or Titusville, it was Titusville. And I heard him one time uh, in a uh, conference, and he made this statement. He said, if we keep on doing what we've already been doing, we're going to have a whole lot more of what we already have got. And that's how he expressed mm -hmm. it. <laughs> I thought yeah. that was great. So what people to do need to do to get their why is to not do what they've been doing and understand the why that they need to be doing something different. Exactly right. And that will make a difference. Okay, that's think, good. Some just think it's always going to be that way, you know, that they can't change. But what, but but we can. We can change anything we want to do. Just have to work at it and, and surround ourselves with people that can help us and not try to do it alone. Now, I would think it takes more than just telling people one time that little nugget of truth, right? Right. Yes, sir. Well, I have to remind myself of that daily. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, because we, if we really at heart level don't believe we have the capacity to make a change. Uh, it, it doesn't matter how many times that we say, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it over and over and over if they're not really taking this to heart. But that's where we can trust God because only God can change our hearts. But if we ask him yes, to sir. change our heart in this area, that's not out of bounds for God to help us with that. Mm -hmm. You're exactly right. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so we've talked about some of the mistakes that some people make. Uh, and, and you've mentioned a couple of them, not planning is one, not doing a budget, and then maybe this whole thing of debt. What other things are real hindrances in our culture 
that uh, would stop people from handling their money correctly? Well, yeah, it's, it's, there's a lot of things with that. Again, I think I think one of the biggest things, and we talked about it a little bit earlier, was just having stuff today uh, instead of saving for it. Uh, mm. That that that's one of the biggest things is because you know, do I want it today and 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 not have it in the best way, have a payment on it, or would I rather wait? Because I was that same way for so long. I, I didn't. I just was such an impulse buyer. Uh, and and two, I always wanted. The, you know, I, there were things that I thought I wanted, but I really didn't need. I always thought I had to have the newest cell phone. Uh, I always, you know, and now I think I have an iPhone eight now that's about dead, but it still works. You know, my my truck now is a twenty. Uh, two, I'm sorry, a 2009 Toyota Tacoma with 219,000 miles. Yeah. I just had to have a whole mi- different mindset, and I don't want another truck. I, I'm good with what I've got. But I, I think just of thinking some things like just making good decisions on one thing I see is people with some, some bills that they have at home, like uh, their uh, cable bill or their Internet. It, it's like they can spend so much money on those things, um, they really don't investigate better options. Uh, they really don't think about how can I do this and get the same results, but but save a lot of money doing it. So um, it's just a whole mindset of the whole thing of do I really need this? Mm-hmm. Do I have to have it? A lot of times the answer is no. I mean, I I cut the cord on my cable years ago, and I've never looked back on that. That's right. And I found we did too. Ways to get the same thing right because I was I was I had 150 200 channels, but I probably only watched 10 of them. Yep. Um, and so I just had to do a whole, whole mindset on what I really needed. Well, and not only that, but the cost of some of these cable services, uh, that it's greater than what my first mortgage was back in 1976. I mean, my goodness, mm-hmm. it's crazy what, what it is and how much it costs. And, uh, you know, when you think about just generally speaking, how much things do cost, one of the big areas, and would you f- believe this to be true, that people spend too much money on and they don't realize they're doing it, is eating out. Just food. Oh, mercy. Yes. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. One of the things we did years ago, and I know some people don't like using cash, and, but when we first started turning things around, we started using cash for certain things, and eating out was one of those. Because what cash did is it helped me to become more disciplined. If I had money in the envelope for eating out, we could eat out. If not, we didn't eat out. And you can spend so much now. My family and I went out the other day, and it's amazing what this one restaurant cost us that's a lot more than what it was two or three years ago. And and so, but we still, even today, I don't use cash for as much stuff as I used to. But one thing, my family and I have a 15-year-old and a 13-year-old, and we still use cash for eating out today because things like that, if, if you're not careful, they could get out of hand. And you could end up spending a lot more, uh, you know, because it's easy to slide the card. But when you got cash and you're doing it, so I use cash for things for certain things again, not as much as I used to, but mm-hmm. it really helped me in the beginning stages of budgeting. I carry cash with me now when I didn't used to. Yeah, I had a friend that mocked me all the time because I never carried cash and uh, I needed to. So I changed and now I have it with me most of the time. And I, I get what you're saying. If you've got that cash and you've only got, let's, well, all of us have a finite amount of cash in our wallet. Uh, then, then you think I'm going to spend some money uh, for this, and and yet when you open your wallet, and if you look in your wallet, and you've got a twenty and a ten and a five, and maybe a single, and this is going to cost like sixteen bucks, and you start computing what kind of damage this purchase is going to make 
in that wallet. <laughs> it really makes right, a, yeah. it's a bit of an inhibition then to go ahead and do it. It's like a, uh, it's like almost an argument against buying it in the first place, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Yep. Well, that's that's yeah, what I, I feel. I always have cash on me. I use cash for mostly for eating out food. I meet guys for lunch or or or, or breakfast or whatever in, in in the ministry that I do in the financial and, and so. But having cash is great because I know how much I have left. Mm-hmm. But again, I've also learned, and I help people if they say, "Jason, I just don't think I could do the cash." Then you know, at least putting that money in some sort of a savings account, something, or you know, keeping it in there and using your debit, keeping it in your checking and using your debit card for. But just being disciplined with it, knowing how much I'm budgeting for this, but then keeping up with that amount and saying, "Here's what my actual is. This is how much I've actually spent out of that amount." Now, do you uh, recommend this envelope system? I heard you mention the word envelope earlier. Mm-hmm. Do you recommend that? give people an option. I used to just be all, that's what I did when I first started. I would really insist on people doing cash, but some people just admit I, I'm not good with it. So I give them another option. But as I said earlier, you know, it really helped me develop discipline. There were two reasons uh, that I used cash back in the day. One, as I said, for things that could get out of hand, but also I used cash for things like vehicle maintenance or doctor co-pays or uh, vet bills, you know, veterinarian bills, things that I knew I was going to have that I might not have this month, but I would in the next month or so, month or two, then I would put money in that envelope and then keep adding to it and let it build up when something bigger happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did use, so I like, that's an option I tell people, but I also say, okay, if you don't want to use cash, let's take those things that you know are going to happen. You don't know when, you don't know how much, Let's put that amount each month back in a savings account and add to that each month so that when you're ready and it happens, you've got that money saved. So I try to identify those things like that that are going to happen, but you just don't know when, you don't know where, you don't know how much, and we figure out a plan to be prepared for those things. Yeah, I think that's really true. A lot of people, they are so undone when they have a major appliance failure or a major mm-hmm. car repair, like a transmission going out. And you're right. I mean, those things are going to happen. It's not like, oh, my gosh, the impossible happened. I, my refrigerator right. died. No, it's not impossible. It's got a lifespan. <laughs> it's going to die. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. going to go. We've got to be prepared when those major things go. And, and the only way to do that is to have, uh, to have a plan, to have that money right. put away and, and be w- waiting for that to happen. And if you get the when I first start meet, go ahead. Go ahead. I so when I first start meeting with people, I ask them to have two accounts. One is a checking account where all their money comes in, goes out, but then also have let's have an emergency fund mm-hmm. and let's save that. Try to get that thousand dollars in there because thousand dollars will take care of a lot of emergencies you have. But then after we get that thousand, I will put that aside so I don't touch it, and I'm gonna have another savings account for those things that may not be like. Because I think emergency funds, vehicle, appliance, you know, things like that, the big deals. But then what about those day-to-day things that, again, like the veterinarian or the the, 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 the oil change or the doctor co-pays, the smaller things? So mm-hmm. you know, we usually, I help people to have multiple accounts that they can use for different things. I agree completely. I think that's good advice. My guest today is Jason Klein. with uh, He's an author with the book Financial 180. We'll be back with Jason in a moment. This is Afternoons with Mike. And you're on The Shepherd. 
Having a chat today with Jason Klein, a down-to-earth guy living up in the Tennessee area of Nashville, and I love that area, as we mentioned already. And I really like your approach, Jason. I think this whole thing about wanting to give people advice and give them a handle on finances, give them a handle on how to save, uh, a handle on how to budget, those things are made easier when we can break them down into a workable, understandable, something that we can get our head and our hands around and put that into practice. That's exactly what you love to do, isn't it? Yes, sir. Yeah, it's, a, it's just such an issue. I think for people today, I think I read that 80% of people live paycheck to paycheck. I mean, 80%, that's a lot. And a lot of people, most people aren't ready for if an emergency happens. And I just have a heart because I've been there. I've been that guy that was living paycheck to paycheck. I've been that guy that when the car tore up, how am I going to pay for it? Well, I got to go into debt. And to have learned and done the financial 180, uh, I just want to help people do the same thing that I did. You know, there's a, I have all sorts of images flooding in my mind from when I worked in Evansville as a young man. While I was in college, I was a pharmacy tech. And I would also, along with all of the duties of a pharmacy tech, would also handle on Fridays cashing people's paychecks. And in that day and time, back in the 60s and early 70s, people who were plumbers, and I mean, I will never forget as, as a young guy, uh, watching a plumber who was a well-known plumber, he would come into our drugstore, not the bank. He would come into our drugstore and cash what was, to me, all the money in the world. I couldn't believe how much Ooh. this guy made, but he took <laughs> yeah. every last cent of it in cash. And, you know, what a dangerous thing that is to have that kind of cash. Number one, you could lose it. Number two, it could be stolen. Number three, if you're a person with uh, maybe some real issues like gambling or over maybe like you mentioned earlier that you dealt with a uh, spontaneous buying compulsive buying. That's a dangerous thing to have your whole week's pay and it's right there in liquid form. And you could in just a heartbeat, see it gone. That's a dangerous mm-hmm. thing. So what do you feel about uh, the, the ways that a family man who is married uh, has children responsibilities, how should they be approaching uh, this whole thing of what to do with their money. Should they go direct deposit? Is that the best thing? I think so, because it's just easier when it's put in, in your in your bank account. Um, I, know, I know what day it's going to come. Uh, there's no question of getting the check late. I can, bud- I can do my budget around it. I, I get paid at the end of the month, and my wife gets paid in the middle. So we kind of have a first half and a second half, and ours are both deposited because once we get paid, that's where I help people is, I, okay, let's get you a plan, and I'm going to show you what to do on payday. Uh, I'm, and, and most of my budget, I get done on payday because I do my giving. I do three things with my budget, give, save, and live. That, that's the framework of Financial 180. And so I help people. So first thing we do is we're going to do our giving. We're going to support our church. We're going to give to nonprofits or ministries that you're, you're passionate about. My wife and I have a couple we call other giving. That the needs that come up that we don't expect during the month, that mm-hmm. somebody has surgery or we take a meal to them, things like that, just that. And then the next thing I have people do is save, uh, put money in saving in your emergency fund or to save for vacation or Christmas or birthdays or save for retirement or you know whatever that may be, to save for kids' college. And then the rest of it is live. And out of that, and you mentioned cash, as I, we shared earlier, out of the live part, there are a few things I still take out in cash but most of it, I just pay my monthly bills, and then 
I save for the needs that are coming up that I don't know. And then the rest of it is just my daily expenses of like gas and groceries. And you can just, so yeah, I do take out a little in cash, but it helps that when I, I like the fact that when my check comes in, that when I do everything to it, I know where everything's gone. And I know that the stuff in savings is secure. It's not sitting under my mattress. <laughs> and, and again, I, I, I do like, I do like some cash, but you're right, is that you need to be careful of having too much cash. Um, some people like to use cash for gas and groceries, but again, you could lose it, could get stolen. I don't want my wife to go fill up with gas at night or something one time and use cash. Mm-hmm. Just, I want her to be safe. And so I think as a husband, it's my job, one, to make sure that we're doing this thing right. We're being good stewards with the money that God's given us. Uh, but that we have a plan and we're following, and, and I'm getting my family in good shape to be able to be prepared if something happens, to be able to go on vacation together, to be able to do the things we need to do. But also, I want my kids to see their dad handling money the right way mm-hmm. so that they are seeing the example that they could use. Because, again, my parents were great people, love them, but I never saw them handle money well because I don't think they had ever been taught. You know, I think one of the things that so many people are not taught in this day and age is that the actual definition about what money really is. And I heard years ago, a helpful definition that money represents me. It represents my work. It represents my heart. It represents everything about my time and how I've spent my time. So if they can see that money is not just a tool to buy them something that they want from a store, but it's really a represent, like you said, of becoming a steward over yourself, mm-hmm. over your life, then it becomes a little bit bigger deal and they can do it. Now we know that finances is one of the big issues that causes a lot of uh, marital strife, mm-hmm. arguments over how money is spent or uh, how money is managed. Uh, what do you find to be some of the biggest problems on its impact to marriage and families? Oh, it's it's huge. I, I, I've been in some meetings with couples. I thought I was going to have to get my referee shirt and a whistle out <laughs> um, because it just it, it about went to blows. I, and I I try to stay out of the middle. I didn't want to get hit. But I have seen couples that you know again. There's a lot of reasons that 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 couples divorce, and, and again, one of the main ones, if not the top one. Is is money? Is they don't communicate? Uh, they don't. They're not wise in their choices with the money. And even after my wife Jamie and I got out of debt, we still had to learn how to communicate about money because she had done it one way when she was single, and I had done it another. And we had to figure out how to work together because marriage is great, parenting is awesome, and and it, but it's hard. It's the two hardest things I've ever done. Mm-hmm. And when you add money stress into that for, for not having a plan or handling your money well, it makes something that's tough even tougher. Yes, It really puts, puts families in. I, I, there was one couple here at Hendersonville that I met with a few years ago, and, and they, had, they were going to counsel, and it was money issues, just not trusting each other, uh, didn't have a plan, and they had filed for divorce. They were spending 500 a month in, in counseling. We got to meet. We met for several months and got them on a plan, got them working together. I saw their whole demeanor change towards each other, their trust. Didn't see them for about a year, saw them at a football game this past fall. And they said, Jason, hey, you know, we were talking. They said, look, we, we got all our debt paid off, and they're still married. I mean, this couple, now they're spending $50 a month on counseling just to keep ahead, you know, to stay with it instead of 500 And they're together. They paid off their debt. Because they just said, you know what, I need some help with this, and, and they got a plan and got wow. to communicate. 
that's really cool is that it is I feel like that God allowed me to be able to help save a marriage. What advice do you have for parents of teenagers? Maybe they've let uh, the teen get a little older than they should have before they've imparted some of this real critical teaching about the role of money and the importance of money management and stewardship. What advice do you have for parents of teens? Well, I have two teens, and sometimes I have I don't know if I know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> My head's great. I have a 15 year old and a 13 year old, and uh, they are kids are expensive. Uh, they they they. Uh, uh, they they love to eat. My son, he's in the refrigerator every ten minutes when he's at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, again, as we talked about with adults, it's never too late to start. Uh, it's, it's really letting the kids see it in you. You know, use opportunities when you're paying bills or you go out spending money to talk to your kids about what you're doing and making wise decisions. Um, you know, it, it's just very important to share. You use use whatever opportunities you're in to be able to to really help them and guide them through that. Uh, you know, my daughter, she starts her first job next week. She's 15. She's just finishing her freshman year at Hendersonville High School, and she is going to work at the local pool, run the concession stand. Mm-hmm. And so it's perfect. I've already thought. So I, I, we're going to – I said, baby, there's three things I want us to talk about is, is one is, is how to give. And I want to, I've been talking to her about giving and, and what that looks like and why we do it. And we, then we want to save. And put some money back because they're really good at the live part. That's the thing. They really. I think most of us are. <laughs> oh, we are. All of us are. So just, but just start where you can, but just keep it basic and just help your kids as they start to work. Really talk to them about give, save, and live, and and that you know to, why those three things are important and how you do it. And, um, again, uh, that's something I really push over in my book is really how to how to do those things. Um, and so, yeah, just just start where you can and do it. it, it parenting, we're never going to get everything figured out as parents. It, it's really tough. And sometimes I am very hard on myself as a parent. Uh, but, I, you know, I just have to rely on God to help me and make sure that I'm going to church and taking my kids to church and I'm, they're seeing me read God's word and pray. And, um, that they're seeing me trying to do the best I can uh, with, with what I have. You know, that three-step thing, I just realized that, that those are the three points on your uh, subtitle on your book, Financial 180, mm-hmm. is to give generously, save mm-hmm. consistently, and live wisely. That is great. That's a three-point sermon, if I've ever seen That's one right. right there. That's right. Well, what I, where that came from is that, so on my book, and in, in, in my book, there are four stages of finances that I talk about. And one day I realized the first stage that most people I met with were drowning. And, 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 and I was drowning one time, too, and I thought, okay, what do I need to do if I'm drowning? Well, I think about in the water. I've got to get my head above water. I've got to go from drowning to treading. Then, well, tread water, that allows us to look up, wipe our face off, figure out where we are, catch our breath. Then we can't tread water forever. The third step is we got to start swimming. And so I think about swimming, of being out in the deep water and swimming towards the, the, the shore. But then the last, the last sign, so it's, it's drowning, treading, swimming. And the last one is a good old country term we have up here in Tennessee called wading, wading in the water. And mm. so get, really getting in the, the knee-deep water, that's where I see people having fun. They're throwing football or frisbee. They're, they're body surfing. They're playing volleyball. They're doing that in the knee-deep water. And so that's the goal. And so uh, to get to that. And, and how I do, how I get people from one to the other to get from drowning to treading is I use the words give, save, and live. Mm-hmm. And I get them from treading to swimming and swimming 
to, to waiting. And so I use, so basically what we're doing is I'm, I want to help people learn to increase their giving gradually as they go. I want to help them increase their saving as mm-hmm. we go and then get on a budget and decrease the living. So that's where the give, save, live. That's how I get people from drowning to treading to swimming to waiting. And, and again, that is exactly what you've done. That whole thing of breaking something that to a lot of people mm-hmm. seems complex. It seems impossible but you've broken it down into something that is not only uh, easy to understand, but it's doable in their own practical real life. And that whole th- simple thing of, and the illustration of you and your daughter of saying, okay, mm-hmm. how can we save? How can we live? How can we then give uh, all of these things mm-hmm. like this? This is, this is what they need to hear. And it's what we need mm-hmm. to hear. How can people get a hold of your book, Financial 180? Well, the first way most people just on Amazon. You go to Amazon, look up Financial 180. Uh, it's there again. Really, been really blessed. There's a there is a uh, uh, paperback copy and then an ebook uh, mm-hmm. version as well on, on Amazon. I know for it's also at Ingram Spark. Ingram Spark is the where the bookstores go. They go to buy because they don't really use Amazon. It's kind of their competition. So Ingram Spark is there. So that's the two places there. Okay. Also, too, something. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Oh, yeah. The other way is what I do. I have never been much on social media. I just I, I wish people happy birthday on Facebook. That's my social media. OK, but I realized that that's where a lot of people see stuff. That's where you can get info out to. Them. So I have a Facebook page called Financial 180 and I also have an Instagram. And every day uh, I put tips out there of how to save better, ways to save money, ways to think about giving. Uh, you know, just ways to really help. And so I put things out there every day so people can go look at those on the Facebook or or Instagram and just see tips and things to think about, things that could help them in their financial journey. So would your site be facebook.com forward slash financial 180? Is that how we can find you? That's a, that's a good, that's a good question there. I would have to. Well, we can certainly do it by searching out and we'll put that in the show notes. That'd be great. Yes, please. Yeah, it's. Uh, I was going. I'm gonna look that up real quick while we're, while we're talking. But yeah, it's. Uh, it's just. It's something I do. Like I said I just put those out, and it's. It's really cool just to see those. It's. It's financial. Uh, Facebook.com/slash/financial180coach. 180coach. Add the word coach on the end. Coach. There well, you that's, go. Yes, sir. that's so helpful. Jason Klein, we've got to have you back on when we uh, need your uh, your input and advice about things going on money wise. But thanks so much for being with me today. Thank you, Mike. It's been an honor. I really appreciate the time, and I'd love to come back on, man. I really, really do thank you for this. Oh, it's been great to have you here. And friends, thank you as well for being with us on this program, Afternoons with Mike. We'll see you next time right here on The Shepherd. 